Mission Kona podcast, where our focus is on highlighting age group athletes doing amazing things in the triathlon space. My name is Michelle Payne. And I am Mike Payne. We are husband and wife, amateur triathletes, parents, and self-proclaimed coffee connoisseurs, both working in corporate America. This podcast is a journey to discovering what it takes to be competitive in triathlon, sharing stories, and finding the inspiration to go after challenging but worthwhile goals. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Mission Kona Podcast, the podcast that highlights age group athletes and their mission to Kona. Mike here. And I'm Michelle. And we are uh, doing this uh, podcast just talking about um, my 70.3 race that just happened. Uh, what was that? A week ago in uh, 70.3 Arizona. Um, and I know we had just done a podcast recently and we talked that that was my first triathlon of the year. Um, didn't really have too many expectations. Um, but that was my first time racing Arizona and it was, uh, it was a great venue. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. One thing I going obviously to Arizona, that's a hot place. And the race this year was crazy hot temperatures. Um, when we arrived, what the Friday, Friday before it was like 105 degrees that day. So, um, unseasonably warm, even for Arizona. And that, that carried through to the race day too, and had, had a bit of an impact, I guess, on, on those racing that day. Um, I had signed up to volunteer to be a, a wetsuit peeler. And we didn't even know at that point if it was going to be wetsuit legal, but yeah, yeah. we did get word that it was like 74.9 degrees. So it was a wetsuit legal race. Um, the temperatures did drop a little bit from the day before. So it was 105 on Friday. It was 103 on Saturday. And then I think it was uh, ni- high of 95, 95. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, when you're racing a 70.3, the race started at 620 in the morning. Um, so um, you can get done before it gets really hot, but it was still mid to upper eighties and there's no shade on that course at all. So uh, the run was definitely hot. And those that were a little bit slower definitely had to deal with some very uncomfortable heat. Yeah. Uh, and I think when the one thing we commented on was that the venue was really nice and very um easy to park, easy logistically. Uh they did announce that this was the last year for the 70.3 Arizona, but keeping the full that's in the same location. But logistics were really nice. Um the course itself, I don't know. Mike can talk more about that. I don't know if it'd be my favorite course, especially the bike course, but yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of turns. Um, and I, I'm a decent bike handler, so it wasn't a big concern for me, but um, it was, you know, much more surgy than a typical Ironman course where you can kind of just hold uh, 70.3 Watts and just ride an arrow. This was, you know, you ride an arrow for two or three minutes and then you turn uh, and you have to get out of arrow. And there was, I think there were six U-turns and 58 turns. Um, so it's crazy. yeah, so it was three laps, um, all downtown. So you stayed pretty close, which was great for spectating. Yeah. How about you talk us through kind of the day or two leading up to the race? Sure. So, um, we arrived on Friday morning, like super early, um, got the bike, uh, set up. And that was the first time that I've flown with the VPR. So the Quantana Rue VPR that I've had for a couple of years, super easy to put together. I think I had it together in less than 30 minutes. Um, and um, 
we went and got coffee and went for a swim at the lifetime and um outdoor swim yeah it was outdoor it was like probably what 100 degrees outside but yeah the water felt fine and it was it was uh it was a fun area um and then i got back and did a bike ride in like 105 degree heat did like 20 miles um and my heart rate was like much higher than it should have been and I was like, yeah, this isn't not, this is not much of a uh, recovery spin out ride, but uh, it was good to get out and just, you know, get my last little workout in before the race. Um, did I do a shakeout jog that night? I don't know if I did or not. Um, I don't, I don't think so. No. Um, so yeah, then Saturday, um, we got up, went swimming again. Right. And then, um, we went to check-in and um, the parking was, it was pretty simple, right? Um, in that same parking garage. And um, the the venue doesn't have like much when it comes to expo. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quick and easy. It was, it was pretty nice. Yeah. I think you did run Saturday morning. I think that was, was it Saturday morning. Or, yeah. 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 I found some like trail, like, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, too, from what right. we were saying. Yeah. yeah, we were joking because she should have done like a, uh, there was a UOM account that you were not too far off and you were just out. I just, yeah, I was surprised I made the, even the right loop to get that. But yeah, right. we had some, I don't know, it was pretty, pretty Good. running. Yeah. Um, we stayed with a friend too. So that was nice. We had a, basically a house pretty much to ourselves. Um, the, the, the guy that we stayed with was racing as well, but he, had worked all day Friday and he was kind of on his own schedule Saturday. So yeah. Um it was it was yeah, nice. like 20 good. minutes from the race. So super easy to get to. Yeah. Uh, so talk us through race morning. Yeah. So like Michelle said, logistically, this was probably the easiest 70.3 um that I've done as far as parking, getting there, lines. Like we I had my transition set up. What time did transition open? Five? I think it was five. Yeah. And I think I had my transition completely done at five fifteen. Um, and we walked back to the car. I dropped off all my bags. So my transition area literally was just my run shoes. My bike shoes were on the bike. Um, everything was, was set up. Um, and then we walked back to the car, put everything in there, got the wetsuit and then went back to the swim start and got in line. Um, and the swim, like we said, started at six 20. I lined up, I don't know, maybe a hundred athletes ahead of me, um, right in the 30, was it 32 to 35 minute range. Um, and yeah, it, it was jump in the water from a dock. Uh, it was pretty dark. I had tinted goggles and I wouldn't wear those again. If I raced that course. Yes. Yeah, the sun wasn't even quite up when you guys yeah. jumped in. And they say like the sun is in your eyes when you're swimming out. Um, cause it's kind of like a rectangle. Um, but the sun wasn't even up enough to have the glare. Um, and by the time we turned to head back to swim exit, um, we weren't looking in the sun anymore. So, um, yeah, it was a little hard to see buoys, um, but my swim was fine. Um, it was 34 minutes. That's not great for me, but it is what it is. I mean, I swam a lot in Colorado, like three days a week but not a ton of like overall volume. I just, I got a lot of like 1500 meter, 2000 meter swims in, but 
yeah, so transition. I saw Michelle. So she was a wet I tried suit. to do a good job with his wetsuit, but I don't. I think I, I just know. ended up doing it myself. But <laughs> um, it's it's sometimes easier, right? You just get those sleeves off and you step on it. Well, that's what I noticed. Pull. That was one thing interesting. Like people coming out of the water. There, I was volunteering with a group of, I don't know, there was maybe a handful of us. And like, they were all ready to like react to the first person coming out of the water. And I'm like, the first person out of the water is not going to want us anywhere near that. <laughs> like they, they have a plan. They know what they're doing. They don't need the wetsuit peeler. So yeah. um, I would say the first even dozen people were like, nah, I'm good. And then it started to, started to pick up, but it was, it was a fun job. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do it again. So yeah, I got to ran through transition. Um, it's a grass uh, park that you're running through. They had just freshly mowed it, which means like you just had like grass shadings everywhere. Yeah, like it was. Um, and I put my socks on. I always put my socks on before uh, the bike. Um, and I just remember my feet were just covered in in, in grass. I'm putting socks over to- socks over top of all this grass, but it didn't bother me. Got on the bike, and uh, my goal was to hold like 210 watts. Um, and it was a three lap course. So I just turned off my auto lap on my bike and, uh, was just going to hit lap every single time I passed the, um, the, the, the start finish area. And the first lap I was 220 watts. Um, saw an accident on the second lap. Um, I was actually very close to it. Um, a lady had swung wide and then, uh, she, um, ended up hitting her pedal on a curb, um, and then just wiped out and I was maybe 10 feet from her. So, um, that was, that was the, the one bad thing about the course is that, uh, because it's a multiple loop course, um, the second and third lap, there was just a lot of congestion. The first lap, all the riders for the most part where I was, were taking the corners pretty aggressively. They were swinging wide and then cutting them like um, close to the curbs. Um, and then the slower athletes were much more uh, cautious, cautious yeah. on the turns and they wouldn't swing very wide. So that means they entered the apex of the turn wide and then came out further. So it kind of, it made the second and third lap a little slower, I think. It really was pretty narrow. I mean, there was only yeah maybe... I don't know, two to three bikes that could comfortably fit across. So, right. So, yeah. Um, my, my power ended up dropping. Um, I think I only averaged 205 watts, which is my lowest 70.3 power in two years. Um, which is a little surprising, but looking back and, and th- I, I didn't have a coach this training block. Um, I kind of just rode conservatively in Colorado. I did a lot of hills but mostly was zone one and zone two. Um, so this was really my first extended zone three effort. Um, so I don't know, like I said, I didn't have huge expectations. I thought the bike would go a little bit better, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I think it's true too. Like what you said, you did a lot of training, hill training, you know, just the terrain you have to work with here and knowing that maybe you didn't spend enough time, you know, at that set zone, like you, had at Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least, I mean, I, maybe it strengthened my legs doing all the Hills. Cause I didn't, I didn't end up having a, a run that I was happy with. Um, yeah. which, you know, thinking back to my training, I had mentioned I had a hip injury. I didn't run and I got here. We, we got to Colorado in June and I had a hip injury almost within a couple of weeks. 
So I didn't run July and August, July and August at all. So I only had really September and the first part of October to do a build. Um, I'm generally a pretty high volume runner. Most, most of the time running 40 to 50 miles a week. Um, I think I only topped out at like 25 miles. Yeah. Um, so, um, but got off the bike in, was it 13th? Yeah. You were so, in 13. In my, well, and in my he, told, he told me to, so I was out there spectating after I was done with my wetsuit job. And he told me to, if things aren't great to lie about his position, <laughs> because I learned, what was it? I think it was Cosabel. I think we've talked about this before. And I was like, you're in the top 50. And he's like, this is not helpful information. <laughs> so, yeah. So I I was thinking in my head how like 13th does not sound good. He's going to be not happy to hear that. But time-wise, he was only four-ish, maybe five minutes from fifth place. So I opted to tell him, you're just a couple minutes out of fifth, out of the top five. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so started the run. And I didn't even really have... um, I guess I had a pace target that I was trying to aim for, which was like low seven minute miles. Um, and my first couple of miles were six fifties. Um, I ended up passing the first place woman, uh, within like a mile or two on the run. Um, and then just gradually caught people. Um, I got passed by one guy on the run. Um, so that was good. Um, and as the run got, harder like it it was it was obviously like the second half of the half marathon it was getting hotter um i was playing mental games with myself and i was like okay with three miles to go then i'm gonna just let it go because i i I was feeling awkwardly like comfortable um but not like i was pushing it but i i wasn't like ready to start walking and there's been a lot of 70.3s that i've done where um i do a lot of walk breaks and that just d- just completely derails my run. Um, but I never felt like that at this run. Um, so I don't know if I could have pushed myself a little harder at the beginning. But with like three miles to go, um, I think I had saw Michelle and she said um, I was moving up or yeah. I was only like a, a couple minutes out of five, a fifth. Um, and so... And I, that was real. That's yeah, real. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember passing a guy that had a, a, a retro Wadi Ink cap on and... And uh, I asked him, hey, are you, are you on your second loop? And he said he was. And I'm like, all right, let's, you know, we've got three miles to go. Let's push it. And then um, I ended up running away from him. Um, but um, after the finish, he saw me and he's like, thanks for the encouragement. And then I looked at the rankings where I fell. He finished in sixth at my age group and I finished in seven. Aww. So I, I encouraged the guy so to get one, started, spot, one spot ahead of me started a little after you yeah. yeah uh but he connected with me on instagram and um so he's a cool dude but um yeah so i ended up yeah i mean i think that the thing was like being out there again this event was easy to spectate at i was able to kind of cross over this bridge so i could see him like i think i t- i missed you at tr- the first transition but or the second transition um but then I saw you at like mile four and mile six, six and then mile 11 ish. Sure. Yeah. And then the finish, but seeing him at mile 11, I'm like, he's still 
like the Iron Man tracker was right on, which I feel like never happens. Yeah. But that's because you were just like holding this like super steady pace. Right. Um, so getting to the finish line, I was like, I made my way there and I'm like, oh, I should have a couple minutes. And within like 30 seconds, you were in the finishing shoot. So mm-hmm. you'd even picked up pace at the end. Yeah. So in my age group, I had my six, the 16th fastest swim, 13th fastest bike, and then the fourth fastest run. So uh, the goal was to get on the podium, kind of. Um, but again, like my training going into this was like, if you look at training peaks, my fitness score was probably the lowest it's been in this for a 70.3 since like 2019. Um, I was doing maybe 10 to 11 hours a week, uh, which is pretty low training for me. Um, so I, I think does altitude help in Colorado Springs? I don't know yet. Like, I I mean, I think we're, we're still trying to figure that out, but, um, I did, I did low volume. I, I think going forward with our life, um, it's good to know that I can do lower volume and still have success, especially unstructured low volume, like I was doing. Um, so I don't know, it'll be something, um, um, that I'm going to try to work on and try to get more, you know, more bike power. Um, and then, see what I can do on the run this, uh, this winter. Yeah. Yeah. I would say overall though, I mean, a great race, seventh place in your age group time was what? Four forty-five. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four forty-five. which I've, I've gotten a four thirty-eight at steelhead. So it wasn't my fastest 70.3. Um, my run, the run was, it was warm, but it was one of my fastest runs. And if you look at my heart rate on the run, that was nice indicator of the effort my heart rate was a bit it was a build the whole run and that's not always easy to do um a lot of times you fatigue out at the end and you see your heart rate drop or you walk so yeah that was yeah that was arizona and like i love the course i love the area um i was talking to michelle this is an iron man that i will probably want to do at some point in the future (laughs) so um yeah. yeah cool so the other part of this podcast was um, Ironman just released the uh, age group slots for uh, 2024 for the men and women. Um, but we're going to focus on the um, the men's slots a little bit here because uh, there were some changes, some surprises. Um, so traditionally, this was you know back in 2018, 2019. When you when a when you raced Kona, if you were a, a guy, generally it was either first, second, or third in your age group, uh, depending on your age group. So if you were in the thirty-five to thirty-nine or forty to forty-four, those age groups would have more slots. Maybe you would get a, a race where you'd have four slots in that age group. Um, so we know that they just, you know, they they had to take all the guys who qualified in 2022 and the fall of 2022 and the ones that decided to defer to Kona had to take slots. So we ended up seeing, um, when the slot allocation came out, these are pretty low numbers. Um, so like Ironman California just happened. They had 25 total slots for the men, um, which is not very much considering how competitive that race is. I was looking at my age group and to finish in the top five in that age group you had to go 840 or faster so super fast and um just chatting with people 
I believe there was only two slots in that age group. Um, so I think it ended up going like 835. Um, the race that's coming up this weekend is Ironman Florida. And that race also only has 25 slots. So there's just not very many slots this the, this fall into winter. And then if we look into the big Ironman races next year, um, it's a pretty similar theme. You have 25 slots or 30, except for two races. So there are two races that if you're looking to qualify for Kona, uh, if you're if you're a guy and you're looking to qualify for Kona in 2024, the two races to highlight would be Ironman Texas. So that is the North American Championship. It's 55 slots. And the other one to highlight would be, oh, there's actually, I'm sorry, there's three. So Ironman uh, Carnes in uh, Australia has 55 slots. And then the European Championships uh, in Frankfurt, that one is in August, um, and that has 55 slots. Otherwise, you're looking at 25 to 30 slots uh, per age group, which means generally it's about two people per age group uh, are getting qualifying slots. So um, it's definitely interesting, yeah. and and um, it's good to know that there are a couple races that will have more slots this year. But um, it's interesting, like thinking back to this past, like the women's Kona, there were a hundred plus slots at some yeah. some races, and I know that they they were rolling down um, fairly far in some of those some of those races. Um, and like you said, I think because so many had qualified before that distinction was was made to fully split. Um, the men's and women's races, you know, that is taking a chunk of it. So it's just not leaving as many spots yeah, up yeah. for grabs for the men. But I have my slot, so I don't have to worry about racing at Ironman this, this <laughs> year. But if if I were racing, I would probably look at Ironman Texas. I'm thinking, um, yeah, Texas. I mean, at least, yeah, for that, the U.S. base. Yeah, athletes. I mean, even like Cozumel, the race that I had done before, that only that only has 15 slots. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. And that's, you know, that's a very competitive race from people from all over the country. Race it all over the world. Uh, race it. Um, so, yeah, it'll it, it'll be... It'll be interesting. Obviously, my estimate is that there was about a thousand people who rolled their um, Kona slot. Um, so that only leaves Ironman with fifteen hundred ish slots uh, that they had to to work with with all these races. Um, so, yeah, it yeah maybe maybe for the men's Kona in twenty twenty six, we might see some races with more slots. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but yeah. I would definitely say if you're if you're a guy, you know, and you have not qualified yet, you're going to have to work, right? I think it's going to be it's going to be tough to get one of those last uh, slots, um, but it should make for a fun Kona race for sure. So, yeah, so that's that's all our all we have for updates um, right now. And um, if you're a guy and you're looking to qualify in 2024. Um, We'd love to hear from you and hear, you know, what race you're trying to qualify for uh, or what race you're trying to qualify at and kind of like what your training looks like, where where you think you're going to end up finishing. And it'd be fun to track you in those races. So certainly reach out. Uh, we might get you on, a, on an interview. Yeah. Um, and um, coming up. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. we have um, our we are going to kick off the 20. 20- 
23 Kona series very, very soon. Uh, We'll be bringing you some awesome conversations with some really fast women who had great races at Kona. Uh, So stay tuned for those. Those will be rolling out throughout the month of November. Uh, And yeah, just some really great conversations you're you're going to want to tune into and hear how the all women's race went yeah. in Kona. Um, you know, a lot of positive response, I think, around it. And it'll be interesting to see going into, you know, the men's race next year, how yeah. that how that looks. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed our Kona series that we did last year. And we got to talk to some super fast people, right? And so far, um, we've already lined up some some incredible age group athletes. Um, and, uh, we, we did a couple interviews already and, uh, there's so much good information. Yeah. Like, like, uh, if you haven't done Kona before, uh, and you're looking at, you know, what are some tips, this will be a fun, uh, podcast series to listen to. So, yep. Yep. So stay, stay tuned for that and we will be back shortly. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Mission Kona Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Do you know an athlete who has a great story for a future podcast? Send us a message at missionkonapodcast.com. Reach out anytime through our website or on Instagram at Mission Kona Podcast. Till next time, think positive, have fun, and stay focused on your mission to Kona.